The book was better. Welcome to the book was better podcast. I am Kaylee Clark. I'm Taylor Colette. And I think. And I today we will. Okay, you adjust that. <laughs> today we will be discussing uh, Charlotte Bronte's Jane Eyre. It's been made into multiple adaptations. There was a lot, actually. I wasn't aware just how many there were. Oh. It's Until, like Pride and Prejudice. It's been, yeah. it's been done a lot. <laughs> Which is so interesting. And I'll get into that more with my thoughts. We'll get into it. <laughs> so, um, we, of the many adaptations, though, we decided to go with the most recent, which was the film that was released in 2011. And I was honestly shocked. I was, I thought it came out more recently than that. I was like, 2011? This came out when I was still in high school? Really? Like, <laughs> I was I was surprised. I wasn't expecting it to be that long ago. It's been over 10 years since it came out. I thought it was more recent, but. Um, but yeah, uh, before we get into it, any anything to discuss? Uh, the only thing I have really is. Um, uh, reading calendar. <laughs> we keep mentioning it. It's coming, I promise. <laughs> yeah, I have been working six days a week. Stupid hours. If you missed our mini-sode last week, we're both just, we're, we're working a lot and we're, we're dealing with a lot, so. So, so yeah. this, yeah, this has sadly had to take more of a back burner than it normally does so it's coming we're getting there it's it's coming but um that's really the only one i can think of mm-hmm. so we can then dive in to yes. our sorry i'm about to yawn and if you hear uh huffing gruffing or barking that is my dog who doesn't want to be in his room? <laughs> Listen, it happens sometimes. Yep. My children act the same way. <laughs> <laughs> Sad but true. Mm -hmm. um, Alrighty. So Jane Eyre was written by Charlotte Bronte, one of the Bronte sisters. They all wrote books, okay? <laughs> Fun fact. Under pen names. Never read a single one. This is my... Seriously? First time. <laughs> I don't, I, I, I have to remind myself that you weren't tasked with reading their books like I was. What do you mean? I was an English major who oh, emphasized right, yes. more in like, like I, I prefer British literature over American when it came to schooling at least. Don't get me wrong. I still really enjoy like Edgar Allan Poe. And, um, of course, now all famous American authors have left my brain, <laughs> but, um, uh, Hemingway, I do like Ernest Hemingway, like, don't get me wrong, but I definitely preferred like British literature. So for school, I read a lot of these things, but then also I read a lot of them in high school just for fun. So, and that's why you I became was an, an English, English major. major. I like literature. <laughs> I preferred the more fun. So you've never run. So you've never read anything from from Emily Bronte either. No. Like you haven't heard Weathering Heights. Nope. Oh. When I say I'm an avid book reader, I mean I'm an avid reader of YA books and like really really old books like the Iliad, the Odyssey. Uh, like that era of books. Max. Right. Yeah, your dog Wait. is definitely. <laughs> Sorry, he is. Because Anne, Anne wrote as well. That's the other sister. So. Nope. Actually, you know him. what? There could have been more than just the three. But I know that those three all wrote books. So. But. Okay. Interesting. But yeah. So the Brontes. I mean, they were pretty. They're pretty well known now. 
they wrote under pen names at the time, right? Because they were women. Yeah. But yeah. Um, so Jane Eyre was published in 1847. So older than um, words are hard. The pirate one we did. Good night. Treasure, Treasure Island. Island. <laughs> older than Treasure Island, but not as old as uh, Jane Austen's works. Jane Austen was publishing in like 1913. I mean, not 19, 1813. Yeah. I got the whole century wrong. Um, yeah, so um, Pride and Prejudice was originally published in 1813, I believe. And that wasn't even Jane Austen's first novel. Mm-mm. So definitely a little bit later, but still like another very talented female author from... A time when women were discouraged from working and doing anything to make their own money. So, <laughs> okay, so let's dive into, we'll dive into our um, lineup here. So, the 2011 edition was directed by Carrie Joji Fukunaga. I think I said that right, but I could be wrong still. The screenplay was done by Moira Buffini. The music was done by Dario Marianelli. He's done other music for other like um, period, like dramas and period movies before. He's he's pretty talented. I do like his work. And then casting was done by Nina Gold. So there's there's our people. The only name I really recognized was Dario Marianelli. So to summarize the story of Jane Eyre. It's about a girl named Jane uh, who was orphaned at a young age, had to live with her cruel, not very kind aunt. Her cousin was mean to her. Everybody was mean to her. And so then she got sent away to a boarding school, which also wasn't great because the headmaster of the school wasn't that great um, until it finally switched over to new owners and stuff. And then... She's a teacher for a couple years and then leaves to be a governess at um, Thornfield Manor. Right? Did I get that name right? I could be getting the I name think wrong. That's with that, right. But sounds right. In which she meets Mr. Rochester, who is an eccentric man. <laughs> I don't know. He does definitely behave differently in the movie than he does in the book. Um, Basically, they fall in love, almost get married, only to find the scandal that he's already married and his current wife is still living. And so for them to be together, Jane would have to just be his mistress. To which that's not, you know, especially in that time, that would be not good for her at all. So then she runs away and finds these this um, priest, parishioner, I don't know, some guy in the church. And his sisters who take her in um, just to discover that they're distant relatives. They're her cousins in some way, shape or form. And when one of them when the guy, not one of them, when the priest parishioner guy, Sinjin, there's his name. Took me a minute. <laughs> proposes marriage to her and is like, come be a missionary's wife. And she was like, no, thank you. Um, then she's all like, hmm, I wonder, actually, how's Mr. Rochester doing? The person I actually loved. Uh, and goes back to find him, only to find that Thornfield Manor had burned to the ground because of his crazy still-living wife, who is now dead because the fire killed her. And then she goes to find Mr. Rochester to find that the fire had blinded him, but he had successfully, like, saved all the servants and stuff in the house. Um, But he, like, injured his hand and lost his sight. And at this point, now they can actually get married because his wife died. So now he's legally able to marry her and they do and eventually his eyesight and one eye comes back and they have a family and they live happily ever after i mean that's how the book ends the movie ends much different not much differently but sooner than that doesn't show all that okay that is to say that that's the basic summary of jane Eyre from the top of my head which we all know can sometimes get things mixed up, but that's fine. (laughs) 
I will say hearing you um, give the synopsis like that, it really it's you're just like, what is this? What is this story? (laughs) Like what? So I know the point of the podcast isn't um, to like analyze the meaning of stories. But again, English major, I just I can't help myself. Um, I I always see Jane Eyre as a story about a, a girl who's trying to find the meaning of home and what home is, right? And it's just her repeatedly either being forced from a home for one reason or another until she finally decides for herself what home will be and she goes back, you know what I mean? So when you when you look at it from that aspect, like I really like it as a sense of like a journey of of Jane Eyre as a as a young woman finding herself and deciding for herself what home is because she was an orphan who just was constantly longing for a home um, is kind of one of the things I get throughout the book. And then I also really like the gothic elements. I, I don't think Jane Eyre, I don't think it would be classified as a true gothic novel, but there's definitely gothic elements in, in and those are the things that I really like about Jane Eyre. I don't like it for the romance, which is saying something because I normally love the romance elements of anything, but not when it comes to Jane Eyre. And we'll get into that a little bit. <laughs> I will just give a disclaimer as I have at the beginning of many an episode that I didn't really like it. <laughs> <laughs> this seems to be a theme for a lot of these stories hold on give me one second to yell at my dog okay max you need to be quiet you need to be quiet it's quiet time quiet give him a bone i can't he has a cone on oh right yeah um he's pushing it um it's like every time i talk that's when he starts making noise. <laughs> That's because he's like, oh, we're having a conversation. OK, I'll get involved. <laughs> yeah, I'll jump in. Um, so essentially, these I don't know if it's this era because like, I like Pride and Prejudice, but I don't know. It's just there's been a few of these books that we've done that I've just have not been a fan of. And this is one of them. So I'm going to try to not let that totally affect you know, how I analyze the book versus the movie. But I will be sharing some of my thoughts. I mean, this is an opinion-based podcast. Yes. It's not like we're claiming anything we're spouting as fact. Like, but, um, okay. So, yeah, we'll, we'll get into it more. But I will say I did go back and look. And so you went, I went first last time. So you go first today. So. Okay. Uh, Take us away with your number three. So my number three, and the first thing I wanted to talk about, um, I may have to get him out. This may just be a constant. That's fine. You can get him out. Yeah. Hold on. I feel like hearing his breathing is better than hearing his yipping. The problem <laughs> is he's got a he giant. sit a little close to the microphone. <laughs> he's got a giant cone, plastic cone on his head. So it's like he's a right. hazard. <laughs> All right. Okay. Take us away with your number three. So my number three isn't a huge thing, but I did want to touch on it because, I mean, it's a big part of how. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> how um, books are adapted to film. And that is the cast. Um, I think that like reading the book, obviously, you know, you always get the, the image in your head. And they talk a lot about how Jane is very plain, like a plain Jane, and how mm-hmm. Mr. Rochester, kind of ugly. <laughs> not not a looker. Um, not a looker. <laughs> so I think that what's interesting is Mia Wasikowska, maybe. Um, um, <laughs> I think that, yeah, Mia Wasikowska. Wasikowska. Uh, I don't know. Um, I don't know. What was it? Polish? Okay. <laughs> but she 
is not like an unattractive person, but I do think they did a really good job making her look more At making her seem plain, plain. Because like I didn't realize yeah. she is also Alice in the new Alice in Wonderland films. Mm-hmm. She looks just so different because it's like all hair and makeup and stuff. So yeah. I think that they did a really well, good it's job. Like they made her like eyelashes completely non-existent. Right. You know, like did her hair in the way that just like really face, just kind of like yeah. blended out her features so that she didn't really have any defining features. Yeah. Which isn't true to her, I don't think. You know, like I feel like. To who? The actress? When you look at her pictures of the actress, it's she oh, does yeah. have like facial She's features. She's got a good jawline, some sharp cheekbones, mm-hmm. but they did the bangs so that they kind of come down and just kind of blah. Yeah, it's just interesting. Yeah. The way they did. Which things. I thought was pretty well done. And so I was like, and she's, she's a great actress. Like she did a great job she's portraying mm-hmm. Jane's emotions and her facial expressions. But then you have. The proposal scene is amazing mm-hmm. from her stand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then they cast Michael Fassbender as Mr. Rochester. A traditionally very attractive very actor. attractive white man. <laughs> and I was like, okay. I mean, again, like, they definitely did, like, they gave him the kind of weird beard. Um, it's not even a full beard, is it? It's more just, like, massive sideburns? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's weird. It's, yeah. <laughs> but, like, there's definitely scenes throughout it where you're like, mm, yeah, okay. Yeah, he's still an attractive man. So I think that that really affected the like your thoughts and feelings towards Mr. Rochester when mm-hmm. watching the movie, because you're like, oh, OK, yeah, he's kind of attractive. Like, yeah, I'm I'm a bit more sympathetic towards this character compared to reading the book and not seeing him and just having like this image of your head of like kind of just like a normal guy. I feel like it's yeah. not quite so, I don't know, forgiving. Um, and then outside of, obviously, those are like the main two. Um, Judy Dench, of course, is great in whatever she does. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought the rest of the cast was fine, but it's just, it definitely was a little Hollywood for them to be like, well, we have to have... An attractive main character. It's a part of. um, It's a part of Hollywood just in general, right? Yeah. You can't have a lead that's not attractive. How dare you? (laughs) Yeah. No one would watch it. Um, So I just kind of wanted to comment on that as my number three. It's not like a huge thing. I just thought that if you haven't read the book and you've only seen the movie, it is interesting mm-hmm. to know that, like, these are supposed to be two very plain, not super great looking people, like just your average c- citizens. No, you're just average <laughs> citizens, just your average well, people. I don't know. I've always kind of seen it, too, as not conventionally found attractive, but still found attractive to those that love them, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Mr. Rochester is very, very eloquent in his praise to Jane. And she always blows him off and blows it off and is always like, huh, no, I'm playing. No, nah, no, that's not me. Blah, 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 blah. And in that regard, I'm almost annoyed <laughs> because I'm like, Hey, just accept the freaking compliment. Like, how were women still like this back in freaking 1847? Like, how has nothing changed where we can't just, like, accept compliments and we have to think so poorly of ourselves? I don't get it. So. But. But, yeah, very plain. In a traditional sense, probably, but. You know, through the lens of love, still beautiful or whatever. Any other thoughts on cast? Nah, that's pretty much it. Before I move, we can move on. Number three. Okay. I real real quick. I'm just gonna apologize to you for the editing that you're gonna have to do to this episode. Yes. I'm just looking at my uh, 
my like recording line and just seeing all the little. <laughs> Max, take a nap. Okay. So, listen, my number three is going to be very controversial. I don't like Mr. Rochester. No, he's so. I don't. I don't like him. I don't find him spoon worthy. I don't. Listen, like I mentioned before, he is very eloquent. Don't get me wrong. And I kind of almost credit that more to Charlotte Bronte's writing capabilities. The novel is beautifully written. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's beautiful. Like the way she writes is gorgeous. Like, don't get me wrong. Love the way it's written. Love the suspense and addedness that happens. With the, like she writes the story beautifully and the dialogue is beautiful as well. But as a character, as a love interest, I just cannot get behind Mr. Rochester. And I think they made it even worse in the movie. Despite choosing a conventionally attractive actor to play him. Mm. I, st I just don't. I don't get it. I don't feel it. I, I don't get it. It's just I can't. Why would you ever pick a Mr. Rochester when you could pick a Mr. Darcy? I just I, I don't understand the hype around Jane Eyre as a romance. I don't. I, I it's not what I enjoy about it. So to me, Mr. Rochester is creepy and a bit manipulative. Yes. Not even a bit. Very manipulative. And OK, so let me just point out a couple examples. OK, so he brings on brings around. What's her face? Can't even I'm not can't even remember her name Ms. right now. Ingram. You know who it is. Maybe. Yeah, that that girl with no actual intention to ever really marry her or court her. He just wanted to see how it would make Jane feel. Did yeah. it like purposely to like make her jealous and see if he could get a reaction out of her like manipulation number one. OK, and then he straight up lies to her about being married and that his wife is still alive and living in the house. He has ample opportunity to. She brings up the crazy lady ghost woman. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, we'll continue. I'll talk more about that later. That's a different one of my things here. But then. Then when it does get brought up at their wedding that luckily gets, you know, interrupted because he can't marry another yeah. person that would be like he didn't that's not legal he didn't think that Legally one not allowed then he's all like mm, well just be my mistress like i don't want you to go just stay like a whiny baby man <sighs> and he throws a fit in the in the book he throws a total dramatic fit he's such a drama queen he's not as dramatic in the in the movie and in the movie you also i don't recall you finding out that he's had other mistresses so, mm. like, where, where's the, like, true promise or guarantee to her when he's all like, just stay and be my mistress and I'll love you forever. That's an, an empty promise and more manipulation because he's had two other mistresses already since being married to his wife, whose name is Bertha, I think. Bertha. Yes. Bertha. What a name. Max. So it's like. How is this man viewed as a love interest? How is he viewed as swoon worthy and amazing? And I just can't get behind it. And I know that lots of people are going to disagree. And that's fine if you like him and that you can overlook all of that. Heaven knows I overlook a lot of red flags when it comes to book boyfriends or whatever you want to call them. OK, I, I but would. This is not a case where I can do it. I would compare. And this could also get me a lot of, hey, I don't care. Um, I would compare people who like Mr. Rochester to people who like Snape. I was going to say that. I'm like, if you. You like him because the actor who plays him, you don't actually like him. I'm like. People he, who Snape apologists, they just like Alan Rickman. <laughs> if you think that he's a good person and that his actions are excusable. Were romantic or loving at all. Like, no. No. Manipulative, big, and fat, awful. No, no. So yeah, that's my number three. Is I just can't, 
I don't feel the love or I can't get behind the romance in this story. So that's not really a number three grievance Oops. against the movie. I feel like that's a grievance against the no, story. It's a grievance against the whole thing. But I will say that again, it's even worse in the movie, I think. Which is interesting because I thought that it was because, a little bit because better. I feel like Mr. Rochester in the movie is even less emotive, you know? Oh, I guess like you that's, can at least yeah. see in the book that like he has strong feelings that he definitely feels deeply for Jane. But I, I guess that's get fair. That really in the movie. I think in the movie, he's just less crazy. Yeah. And that was probably intentional in some parts. Right. Yeah. To make him come across as less crazy. But I also made him I, it also made me feel like he came across as less passionate, which I get that. I, I get that. All it was the only thing he had going for him in the book. So. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, what's your number two? So my number two is um, essentially just the the format of the book versus the movie, with the movie mm-hmm. utilizing flashbacks to tell you yeah, about telling Jane's past compared to the book, which is more chronological. You kind of go through everything with Jane, and what it made me think of was. Um, Like the whole starting with her as a kid and like going through that, it reminded me of when we read Ella Enchanted and like how you started with Ella Mm, as a kid and then you followed her through her adventures until she was grown and then, you know, fell in love, got married, all that stuff. So I kind of liked that part of the book because it felt very much like you were growing with the character and you were becoming sympathetic with her like for her as she grew up whereas Mm -hmm. in the movie they just kind of are like here she is later in life (laughs) and oh let's flash back to all of this crazy stuff that she's been through and i feel like they specifically did it to try and capture that sense of suspense and thriller Mm -hmm. it's that gothic feel right that's in the book The only thing I can think of where they wanted to start kind of right almost in the middle of the climax, which is her running away. Right. Yes. And it kind of creates that question and that little bit of mystery. Yeah. Like what's going on? From the beginning of the movie. And I don't. I could see where they were coming from. I could see where they were coming from. Yeah. 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 But I don't. I didn't love it. Like if I hadn't read the book first and then watched the movie, you would have been confused. Yeah. I'm like, I probably would have. I probably would have had to watch it twice. And I found that that's Mm. the case with a lot of movies that follow this format. Yeah, that tell stories that way. I almost always have to watch it more than once. Because I like (laughs) watch it and I'm like, I've already forgotten. I know I missed something. I know I missed something trying to follow that. So I need to watch it again. So then I watch it again and then I get it. So like, I am glad that I read the book first so that I could kind of follow the storyline a little bit better. Mm-hmm. So if you've only seen the movie, you were probably like, yeah, it just kind of it was hard to piece the whole thing together. And I think that it kind of takes away from Jane's life and upbringing and what she's gone through and what has brought her to the point that she's at. And I feel like it's harder to connect with Jane's character in the movie a little bit mm-hmm. just because you're only learning about it through flashbacks. It'd be like meeting someone as a kid and growing up with them. Or meeting someone later in life and then just hearing about what they went through as a kid. Like, does right. you know? So I didn't love the change. I, I Like you said, I get why they made it. I just mm-hmm. think that they could have done, you know, the same as Something the different. book. And then fine. Something different. Or, mm-hmm. Yeah. I can fall back. Well, and that's also, I think, when, just when it comes to changes from the book and the movie, that's obviously one of the biggest changes. Yeah. My number two was that they took out Miss Temple. Mm-hmm. And again, going back to my original thought, right, which was that the overarching story, right, like the message, the moral or whatever that I get from Jane Eyre is this This girl who's longing for a sense of home as well as a sense of identity, right? And I feel like ever since she lost her parents, right, like she didn't have that motherly maternal figure until Miss Temple. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, I feel it. I feel like Ms. Temple is the whole reason that Jane goes into teaching. It's why she stays at Lowood for two years after she's technically graduated or whatever to be a teacher. And it's when Miss Temple leaves Lowood that then she goes, oh, well, I don't want to be here anymore. So I need to find something <laughs> else to do. And that's when she accepts the governess position to try and, you know, better herself in a different way and learn something new and find that sense of home and long and belonging because she had assigned that feeling to Miss Temple. None of that's in the movie. <laughs> Squeaky toy. None of that's in the movie. No, and I think that part of that reasoning is because it's flashbacks. And in flashbacks, they're like, all right, we got to cut to the chase. We got to cut it down to the important stuff because people don't want to spend forever in a flashback because it's just like a quick thing. And then you get back to the it's good to part of the story. But it ended up but leading the, to but stuff like that. the good like part that. of the story wasn't even good. The good parts yeah. were all the flashbacks. <laughs> it didn't make any sense. No. So, I don't know. I just felt like um, well, Miss Temple even was a huge contributor to Jane as a person, into Jane's characteristics. It's a big, she had a huge impact on Jane's learning mm -hmm. and, you know, how she started viewing the world and how she started viewing, you know, like how to control her tempo, temper and all these different things. Like, that came a lot from Miss Temple's teachings at Lowood. Or the way that Miss Temple like took care of spot. Helen. Yeah, it was Helen and Miss Temple. Those were like, yeah. that was her family. That was her sense of belonging. That was, mm -hmm. those were who showed her kindness and love and, you know, and these then, things that she hadn't been shown before. When Helen did die, like you said, like it, it, it was like that loss of belonging, family, home. And I feel like you didn't get that in the movie because they just kind of glossed through it so quickly. They glossed over all of it. Yeah, it was just, I feel like they, they didn't focus on the important defining moments in Jane's life like they should. But that's because I feel like they wanted to make, they, they only focused on the romance part of the story. And again, I don't like the romance part of the story. And I see, I don't see this as a romantic novel. Like it's not a romance novel to me. It's a, you know, it's like a gothic novel or almost like a building's Roman, right? It's like a coming of age story almost. And romance happens to be a part of it, right? It's the same way as I wouldn't define the Percy Jackson series as a romance novel yeah. series. Yeah. But there's some romance in it, you know, like that's almost how I see Jane Eyre. Yeah. And I feel like but they the almost. The movie was very much romance let's just focus on that part <laughs> yeah it's like they saw the like jane austen ones and they were like oh this is like same vibe but same it's like era Charlotte bronte's not writing the same thing that jane austen is yeah no. i just feel like they missed the point entirely mm -hmm. <laughs> they're like oh yeah this is one of so. those classic period romance pieces and it's like no it's really not. no it's really not <laughs> and the romance but. aspect was the worst part of it and then they <laughs> made the whole movie about it yeah. Yeah. But I mean, to 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 there to the point of, I don't know, honorable mentions, right? The movie was filmed very beautifully. Mm -hmm. The yeah. cinematography was great. The music was great. The casting was great. I've already kind of mentioned the honorable mention in the fact that I think the book itself is just beautifully written. And to the screenplay writer's um, benefit, she did include some of the things and some of the dialogue word for word. Like some of that is included, um, especially some of the exchanges between Jane and Mr. Rochester. Mm -hmm. Not all of them. Um, I feel like some key ones are missing. We'll get into that. But um, they did include some of the word for word dialogue and exchanges. And again, it's beautiful dialogue and beautiful words written from Charlotte Bronte. So glad that they included some of it, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think one of my honorable mentions um, is just, I mean, we've kind of already talked about it, but just the fact that they seem to pick and choose like what they thought was important to the storyline in a way mm -hmm. that almost seemed like kind of random where they were just like, 
it wasn't like, oh, this isn't important because there was a lot of stuff that was quite important to the book's storyline that they cut out, like we talked about with Miss Temple. But then they would leave in some stuff that I was like, I don't know that that was necessarily important to the storyline. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a very she spent interesting. So much time with freaking Sinjin. Yeah. I'm like, and that really was not that crucial. So I don't know. I will say in def- not defense of the movie, but the book definitely is not an easy read. So like it, it's it's eloquent, like you said, you know, beautifully mm-hmm. written. But it is some of the descriptions you're like, OK, I, I get it. <laughs> and like you just kind of want to get to the story moving along. But that's a lot of books from that time period. So I'm just again, that's not something that gets in my way at all. So (laughs) so I just if you're out there and you haven't been able to get through Jane Eyre or like you haven't read it and you're worried to read it. Some of the audiobook. (laughs) Yeah, I would that it's the same that I felt with Pride and Prejudice, where I'm like, it's much easier if you're listening to it than if you're trying to read it. (laughs) Well, it's also just. The 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 thing that I would will say gets in my way sometimes is they don't break up their paragraphs as often. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it can be almost like intimidating to your eyes to just see so many words just like blocked together. Yeah. And like a lot of like run on sentences. To modern writing. Yeah. Their sentences are so oh. long and you're just like, I need to breathe. It was I need to breathe. It's a different time. It's a different time. You're reading in your head. You can breathe while you're reading. <laughs> a mental breath. But Okay, any other honorable mentions? Um, Besides the fact that I just didn't really like it. <laughs> yeah, we know that already, Taylor. We know. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought it was so interesting because, like I said, I hadn't Steph read it. Steph from We Ship It loves Jane Eyre. She's going to hate us. No. <laughs> she's gonna question our entire friendship (laughs) it just it baffles my mind that people think this like say this is their favorite book like i feel like i'm missing something or it's their favorite like ship that they like love jane Eyre and mr rochester and i'm like i feel like i'm i'm missing something so like if someone wants to like hop in our dms and explain to me why jane Eyre is so many people's favorite because i don't get it it's sad and the romance is weird and I just didn't really like connect with any of the characters and I just really overall I don't know I don't understand why people like it so much. So Okay, what's your number one? Uh anyway. <laughs> my number one is it's kind of a two parter. It's just about two um characters who are quite different in the book and the movie. Um, First, hold on. Max, hey, what are you doing over there? Stop being a stinker. Um, Okay, so first I want to talk about um, Miss Ingram, who, Mr. Rochester, you kind of already touched on it when it's a total jerk move that he Mm -hmm. brings her around. But I feel like in the book, at least... It kind of explains her and her motives a little bit more. He's worse in the movie than he is in the book, but he's still pretty bad in the book. (laughs) Yeah. Like she like there was a rumor going around that he was like filthy rich and she was really just going for the money. And like you learn that in the. um, Hold on. Someone from my store is calling me. All right. Where were we? (laughs) Where were we? Okay. yes. Um. She was just after his money. And at least then it's like not just that Mr. Rochester is like a jerk and just was like (laughs) leading this chick on to get make Jane jealous. But also like she, you know, was just after his money. So it's like, okay, I don't know. I just felt like that was feelings involved. He didn't jade this woman either. Yes. I felt like it was an important clarification that the movie didn't make. 
didn't make it. So it was just like real bad. Just a real weird situation. (laughs) Just a real weird situation. (laughs) A manipulative situation. Okay, continue. And then the second one I wanted to talk about as well um, was uh, Grace Poole. His ward. The caretaker. The caretaker of his wife, Bertha. Yeah, that's the caretaker. Yes. What's the name of his ward? Why can uh, I not remember now? Something Adele, I think. Oh, yeah, it was Adele. Why? Yeah. How could I not remember that? Famous singer. Okay. <laughs> um, and I feel like in the book, you know, when the weird stuff happens, like she saves him from the fire and he's like, yeah, I think my servant. Don't, don't worry. I'm going to did it. I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to um, talk about the weird happenings. <laughs> yes. But like when that stuff happens, they frequently blame it on the grace person yeah, yeah. poor grace the person who's saying you're and then who's just caring for an absolute lunatic so and then jane is like and also poor bertha because come on they didn't have the proper care back then yeah. for what she probably had in today's day what schizophrenia i have no idea i don't you know, know something i that don't know those today could be treated and yeah. back then poor poor quality of life poor woman yeah but then Jane is like, if she's this bad servant who's setting your house on fire, why the heck do you why pay her so, and yeah. keep her around? And it's like kind of just like blows her off. <laughs> it kind of like gives you on the opposite end, makes you go. Yeah. Why was Mr. Rochester so blatantly lying to Jane? <laughs> like It's so obvious in the book and the movie. Not so much. Because they just, like, leave her out, essentially. I think they might mention her once. But, like, they don't really talk about her. And then when you do find out about Bertha, you're like, oh, she's the caretaker. And that's why it, like, makes more sense. And you're Mm -hmm. like, that's how Jane, like. Still doesn't give him justify to blame her for all of it. But. But it, like, at least it makes more sense in the book for sure than in the movie where they cut out these characters or cut out the justifications of the characters that just makes the whole thing seem very confusing. Mm -hmm. So it's just stuff like that where, and again, it's, and even to talk about Bertha, like I know, I think you're going to talk more about her, right? A little bit. Not really. Yes, definitely. Yes? A okay. lot of it. A That's lot what of I it. thought. That's what I thought. So I won't get into her. But just I again, I feel like they there wasn't a whole lot of thought process that went into cutting out the explanations or the motives behind the characters. It was just like, a, mm, I don't think that's important without thinking about the implication on the entire storyline. Mm hmm. So. That's my number one. I just think that there they were tiny details that easily could have been added into the movie and not have taken more than like a minute. And they just didn't do that. Yeah. So. Agreed. Yes, that's mine. So, so my number one should not come as a surprise, seeing as how I said my favorite aspect of the book was the gothic elements of it. Because the movie got rid of all of the, like, haunting Mm. stuff, quote unquote. I mean, not all of it. There were still little bits, like the red room in the beginning where, like, you know, Jane passes out from fright or whatever. But, like, when you get to Thornfield, they don't really do a lot of the weird stuff that, you know, you're talking about where they blame. But there's some wackadoodle stuff. So I'm going to talk about the big one. The most important one that I cannot believe they didn't include in the movie. Okay, the scene where Bertha shows up in Jane's bedroom, like the like night before they're supposed to get married or maybe it's two days before they're supposed to get married. I think it's the night before. No, because he insists that Jane sleep in Adele's bed that night. Oh, right. So it must be two days before. Okay, But it's just like. Jane wakes up to see this pale woman with long black hair standing over in the corner of her terrifying, just like weirdly gazing at her wedding gown and her veil and stuff that's been set out and vampirish. And then 
she takes the veil and rips it in half and tramples on it, right? Like, and then walks over to Jane's bed. Like, walks over closer Nightmare. to her. Nightmare fuel. To the point where Jane is so terrified that she faints again. And when she wakes up, she sees the veil on the floor, still torn in two. That's so she clearly knows not a dream. a dream. So she's just like, cool, I'm being haunted. That The vampire lady that they talk about is real. Like, she, we're really being haunted. And then, and then, <laughs> she tells Mr. Rochester this in the morning. To which he just goes, oh, I'm so grateful you weren't harmed. It must have been Grace Poole. And just in your sleeping, you must have confused her and didn't recognize her. Total. And then promises to explain, promises to explain in a year and a day. After their marriage. Why do people like Mr. Rochester? Why do they like him? (laughs) Like he has it's just like that scene. Yeah. And I get it. They wanted to focus on the romance. They didn't want to make the movie a thriller or suspenseful or horror. In Except any they, way. apparently but they like, did. That's what I like about the book. Except <laughs> apparently they did because they ch- changed it to flashbacks to make it more suspenseful. Yeah, but not suspenseful in like a thriller, like horror, su- um, a supernatural kind of way. I guess, yeah. Because enough. that's that's the big aspect, that's the big element of a gothic novel, right? Is yeah. that that suspense through the use of supernatural happenings. Yeah, unknowns. Even if they aren't actually supernatural, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they all think they're supernatural until they're like, oh, it's Bertha, his crazy oh, wife. it's Bertha. She escaped. <laughs> um, but it's just like, man... Like, all the crazy, like, haunting stuff, like, the scenes that I really, really wish I could have seen, I didn't. I didn't get to see because they didn't freaking include them in, they they didn't include them in the the book. I mean, in the movie. I guess I'd have to, I'll just have to be satisfied that Mia is also in Crimson Peak, which does include all the haunting stuff in a very similar, like... Yes. Gothic, you know, period-esque piece, but it's just straight up suspense and horror and scariness. So. Yeah, no thank you. If they could have just included some of that stuff from Crimson Peak in Jane Eyre, it would have been what Jane Eyre was supposed to be, which is supposed to have scary stuff in it. Yeah, it's a it's weird not just book. About the romance. It's a weird book. It's a, I love it, though. It's a because weird Because it's weird book. like that. I don't but like it. But you can't look at it through the lens that the movie does, which is just says a romance. Because it's not a romance. It's not a good romance. No, it's not. But it's a great gothic. It's a great gothic S. It's, it's a great feminist gothic novel. There you go. Because, again, this guy who says he loves you is constantly lying about his wife, who he keeps locked up in the attic like what partially for her safety but no. mostly for everybody else's no it's not great there's I'm, gotta I'm be not more saying it's great he could have done there's gotta be more he could have done like that is not the solution no and then no, to not, not tell the this woman to propose to her and not tell her and just be like, yeah, let's just get married and again. And we just you'll never have to know about my actual crazy wife in the attic. No, so much bad. No. So much bad. So much bad. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So. Those are my thoughts in a nutshell. <laughs> yes. I mean, I mean, I know we asked for fan faux pas, but we didn't give a much ton of time, time to actually accumulate fan faux pas. So we might have to include the fan faux pas in the mini sode. The mini-sode. But I mean, I will say Steph from We Ship It did say that Jane Eyre is her favorite. Um, so sorry, Steph, please sorry. S- continue to be our friend. Um, jump in the dms tell me what i'm missing tell us what well again i like jane Eyre too so i'm not i'm not 
I'm not like a, ooh, this book's awful. I love the book. No, I that's don't love just the movie, me. But I do love the book. I don't speak for but the if whole. You're, if you're like a fan of Jane and Mr. Rochester, explain that. What are we missing from that relationship? Um, so I guess that then just leaves the question of, was the book better? Yes. Yes. But. The book was much better. They're both not. I great. don't care. You didn't have to like the book. You have to agree. <laughs> the book was still better. No, I agree. <laughs> it's better. It's still not amazing. I'd rather read the a lot of really... other books before and I ever read this again. The, she's a good author. No, Her it's beautifully written. It's beautifully written nonsense. <laughs> it is a weird story. I it's swear. weird. But that's who she was. She was weird. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently. Let's. Are we going yeah, to finish? Sums it up. <laughs> it's like, let's, let's sum it up. Okay. So um, we already asked the question. I don't think there's much more next to say. Week, mini-sode. I, I, um, we're just going to do what we frequently do when um, a book has many, many adaptations is we're just going to, we'll just touch on kind of all of the other adaptations of Jane Eyre and um, all of the things that, because it is, it's very loved. It's very adapted. How? <laughs> How did but this then, happen? Come May the 4th, may the 4th be with us all as we discuss Rogue One. Now, listen, I know we're kind of bending the rules a little bit here. listen. <laughs> but... The novelization for the movie Rogue One did technically come out before the movie. They were written pretty much simultaneously. I feel like they were written simultaneously, but either way, it still follows our rules of the book did come out first. So just to just in lieu of just to celebrate the Star Warsness of it all. May the 4th, we're going to talk about Rogue One. Because and what are the, the odds? Did come out first. What are the odds so. that our episode comes out on Star Wars Day? We just, we on have Star to. On Star Wars Day. This isn't going to happen so. again for many a year. So. Facts. So, yes. Join us next week for um, a little bit more of Jane Eyre discussion. And then two weeks from now, as we talk about Rogue One, a Star Wars story. So. Um, kind of nice too, cause it's just like a singular one-off mm -hmm. thing. So other than that, we will get the reading calendar out shortly. I promise I will, we will do our best, but we hope that you have a great week and don't forget to read. <laughs>